And we're in the room, guys. Okay. Welcome. Welcome, Bill. Right, Thank before you very we much. started, you said that you train models and I got really excited. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Did no, you? I did, I did. <laughs> so, so where do you train models? Uh, I work for I work for Boss Models here in Manchester. Um, and I trained as a theatre actor. So I used to be a model in the 70s, very early 80s. And then when I went to drama school in my 40s, I looked at the techniques and I thought, if I'd have used those techniques when I was modelling, <coughs> I could move a lot faster. Because it, it was because you have to, it's not just about having looks, it's, uh, it's physicality, it's owning products. Um, when you see models, you know, they've got to work from the inside. They all thought, you know, if I sit there and just pose, probably pushing the motion and they don't know how to do it. Yeah, it's everything's inside. So I, I've always gone for life experience, even sadness, even pain, use it. Everything is a gift, just use it. Um, so a photographer asks for a certain, um, a certain look, a certain emotion that comes through the picture, then, I, um, then I, that's what I teach them. So I do a lot of visualization, relaxation, uh, creating the character inside the head and inside the body so they're not actually doing anything physically. And then what they do is that once they come through it, I will say to them, like for example, I'll start in the bedroom first thing in the morning, their <laughs> eyes are closed, they're lying on the floor. Um, and I'll just say to them, something was like, is on the floor in the corner of the room. So they'll look at that, I'll say, don't tell me what it is, just hold, because what I'm doing is I'm watching you physically moving the inner rhythm. So, um, and then once we do that, we get them standing up and then everything's about physicality, how to pose, how you hold your body. Uh, and then we go to, into runway. Because there's a lot of money in it, you know. How many? So what you do? Is that all day, more than one day? Um, I, I do it when I'm required. So what I do is I'll like this week because it's half term. It's what we call New Faces Week. So there was about twenty new faces They're from all over the northwest, boys and girls. Uh, it's predominantly girls, probably about eight or nine boys. Um, but they can start working immediately. I mean, one boy came in two or three months ago when he was at London Fashion Week at Paris Fashion Week. So, you know, it's quick turnaround. Um, and then once the agency have established them, they'll um, put them with top agencies around the world. So it can be in New wow. York. So, so how did you get known for that? How did they, because that's really specific. Um, probably more so through show production. So um, when I first started, I, it, right, how did I start? I started as a model. I worked internationally, I was small, but I could dance, and it was the dancing that got me through. You know, straight away people were like, he could move. So it wasn't just walking up and down the catwalk, it was sports shows. So you had to look like you were skiing. <laughs> you know, you had to look like you were playing a sport. Um, and it had to be very, very natural. So I ended up doing a sh I eventually moved to Edinburgh, and I was doing a show for L'Oreal at the Albert Hall. The choreographer of the show was too big for him. Um, and he panicked and then all the models including myself started panicking and then I looked at the state and all I said was look let me just see the uh, the diagram itself you know for steps movement staging and I looked at it and where the Albert Hall is you've got what they call the inner ring the circle the circle right in the middle well that can be taken out and it can be used as a circus or it can be used as a centre event for say a singer that wants it in the round to work in the round so the audience is round him uh, and then I looked at it and I just timed it by four steps, <laughs> his routine, and I based it on a, a three-ring circus. So I got a design, the designer was in and I just said, look, I need couture ball gowns, 
the models had to be animals, so it was like, what type of animal are you? Well, they started off saying, I'm a hamster. I said, no, you're not a hamster in a circus ring. <laughs> so if you're a lion, if you're a zebra, if you're this, you know, I need to be able to see it, but make it look beautiful. And so that's how I started. And then the client, which was L'Oreal at the time, showed around and said, well, we've got lots of hairdressers around the country. Can you just do small presentations for them? So that's where I started. And then I got my big chance when I started doing things like London Fashion Week. You know, wow. so, but it's it sounds great. It's hard work, and um, my side of it is that I just stand there going, "Go, go, go." I set the routine, so it's different now because it can start. Uh, it's not just runway anymore. It's it's literally walking into a room and walking around from different directions. So I have to put a story in the model's head, so they all look the same when they walk down. So I give them the same story, the same focus. Uh, and then the rest of it is down to the music production, so I have to work with good people, steal tracks, <laughs> steal samples. <laughs> I mean, I, one year I was, um, the, it was 1993-94, um, everything was air guitar for the, for the tracks for the shows, and I kept saying, how are we going to stand out, how are we going to stand out? It's all, you know, a sample of this, Aerosmith, it would be Bon Jovi. And I kept thinking of Simon and Garfunkel. Which one? Senior. Oh. Think at the beginning. So I started that as the bass line, and then had the music coming through. And the audience, particularly the people that sit at the side and watch the show, I suppose you call them the A-listers, to me they're just people. You could see them all bounce, their heads were going like... So they're watching everything going past, like that. And then looking back this way, and I could see from where I was standing, Susan Menkes, who was, um, she was the head of uh, Women's Wear Daily, and she has this sort of really odd fringe, and I could see this fringe back, and she was really, and I'm saying she's liking that. And then right at the end, when all the models come down in one group, it was, see, and you could see everyone going, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. So you've got to, you know, at the end of the day, to produce a good show, you've got to have a good designer, a good collection, and good models. So. Who's your favourite designer that you've worked for? Uh, for me, I would say, probably Giorgio Armani. Always has been. But the black label. Not the, the sporty stuff, but the sort of really classic stuff that he does. Um, new Age now. Um, Alison McQueen, even though he's not alive anymore. Vivian Westwood. I wouldn't wear the stuff. Just doesn't suit me. I like... He's sat here naked. We've been trying to tell him this whole in his birthday suit. Well, if my skin looks like it's denim, then I need to be worried. <laughs> what have I been drinking? So 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 that's it. So that's um, what I do. But I teach them how to work in front of the camera as well. Could um, you teach anybody or you can teach anybody? Go on, you're going to set me a task. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, part of team building, um, self-esteem. I've, I mean, I did a show years ago for Looked After Children. Um, what does for Looked After Children mean? Children that have been fostered, children okay. that are in care. Um, and it was all based around self-esteem. And it wasn't about height, it wasn't about your looks. And we started off um, at the number one club here. In Manchester, and within five years, we were tame on it. So we we literally taken the show because it was the, the whole show was based on kids and rubbish, how they felt they were seen, 
being transported from um, one foster home to the next foster home, as soon as they arrived, black bin bags. Mm -hmm. All the stuff was in black bin bags and they were being transported. So when they arrived at these houses with new foster parents, could you imagine how they felt? Yeah. No, I can't go on. So, Do you know? Yeah. They, they, well, that, there was a, a big forum of Hotel Children. It was one of the main things that came up for them. They said, you know, the way that we're transported, move from home to home, but everything's in the black bin bag. So the organising group then went to companies like Marks and Spencer's, Debenhams, and they got something like 30,000 trolleys and donated mm. bags. Um, and when that was given, that? That would have been in the 2000s. No, because there was a thing that came up yeah. not so long ago on Facebook <coughs> that I shared, which was asking people to donate think, cases yeah. and yeah. Yeah. home yeah. dolls and things well, like that. Yeah. that. Right, so do you know a national Black voice? Bags. A national voice? Yeah. That's who it was yeah. for, so you, so you know. And so that, was, that really was the start of it, but what I saw was what it did for the kids themselves. Because it, when they realised, I'm being serious, that on the night that they were doing the show, they had Prince Charles coming through in one direction and Madonna coming in the back because they were going to look at the Turner Prize. They never saw them, but when the security came through and he was like, can you just keep things down, can you keep things quiet? I'm like, for who? Mm -hmm. All right then. Uh, and then they knew about it and then they realised exactly what this building was. And I said, and you're right in the middle of this. Mm -hmm. You know, you are now art. You mm. are an exhibition, and you're representing something. You're representing your past, your present, and your future. And so they they lifted. I mean, those dramas. Yeah. What dramas? You can't say there was dramas. You know. Well, <laughs> a person who needs a lot of attention mm. because you have to you have to make sure that the energy is balanced. So one person who's demanding a lot of attention, you know, it might be, it might be ADHD, you know, it's, and they're, what they're doing is they're, they're trying to, they take all the focus away. So the way that I worked, it was right, okay, but I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. Well, that's fine, that's your choice, you don't have to do it. Why don't you go and sit over there? Still encourage them and say, look, I want you in it, but I can't make you do it. Um, and then eventually you could see they just wanted that, extra attention so I'll take them away and work on the runway. And the girl was about four foot three, but she stole it. Once she came down that catwalk she stole she was the star of the night. You know, and I've seen her since she's now a mother and she's got kids and the way she brings up her kids, you know, she whereas if you'd have looked at her at that time, mm. what was projected for her was not a good future. Mm. You know, mm. not that anybody should be able to predict somebody's life in the future and what can happen to make them change but something did change I'm not saying it was then but it was over progression <coughs> she did and I see her now as a mother and she's, she's, she's awesome you said five what was <coughs> over five years what was you doing you said you went from there to there no over the because we did a show a year okay. and the whole idea was uh, the first thing you have to do is you have to go to we had to go to government so we had to get the Minister of Children because it had to be a policy that had to be introduced to every single social work, uh, social services department that they followed this code. So that's what a national voice did. That I, I was just you know a person who just helped with them. Um, it was done by a whole group of people, but it ended up that Cherry Blair became the chairperson for the group. So she's the wife of the prime minister. And it was under labour, and so you could see where all the focus was coming. Short Start was there, so it was about clubs for the kids to go to, which were desperately needed. 
you know, especially in London. I don't think you'd have half the problems you've got in London if they'd have kept the youth centres open. Yeah. And we know that. <coughs> you know, so it, it's sort of like it feeds back in many ways to like when I was a child. It was safer when I was a child. What you know? was how, youth clubs? Well, we had youth clubs. I mean, I was in Boys Brigade, Sea Cadets, um, Marine Cadets. Uh, that was tough. Um, but mainly the boys brigade, the scouts. You don't, you, you don't. They're still there, but you don't hear of them that much. You know. Susan's big on the clubs. My youth clubs. There was always somewhere. There was always somewhere to take your focus away, wasn't there? You didn't have to hang around the streets. You could go somewhere and enjoy yourself. But, if we, but even if we hung around the streets, I mean, I'm not being funny. I, I, I was saying this to you about Moss Side. I'm from a single parent, one woman, and I've got seven brothers and sisters, and I've got, my father's American, so I've got a sister over there who have chosen to, it's, that's another story, I'll, I'll move on. <laughs> but like with my family, um, I, didn't, I didn't even know my older brothers and sisters until I was about 17 or 18, and I was back in care when my eldest brother turned up, because I always thought I was the oldest child. And then when I was, I was, I went back, I was in care from practically from when I was born till I was five. And then I was in Moss Side, St B Street School, mm -hmm. uh, when, it, when all the buildings, this is 1960s, when all the buildings had been, you know, just after the war, they hadn't redeveloped them. That was our playground, you know, the wreck, yeah. oh, you know, so when you, when you're going back, when you're going back in those days, you know, oh, that was uh, 62. Okay. So you're our yeah. age. There was loads of old. Buildings and factories yeah. where you we could go down. down. And we could go you and play in there. Yeah. You know, and you, you find played on the craft. Yeah, yeah, you played, played on the craft. Yeah, the old nail stuck in your foot. And the other, I mean, the thing was, you you go into these buildings and the what you thought was treasure, yeah. you know, like penny blacks, penny orange, or penny red, that were on. Um, I mean, I found a load of uh, postcards, and I came running out because I just thought. Exactly what they were at the time, maybe later, but just like stuff from the war newspapers that were underneath mm. that had coverage of the war from like 1939 to 1945. These were the houses that were still partially derelict, but that's where we were from. So when I arrived in Manchester, I mean, I'd come from Dr. Bernardo, so I lived on a Victorian estate with its own grounds. We lived in small family groups. I had three sisters, the, um, the Bromley sisters, who were my sisters. I didn't know I had, that was my family. And then, you know, Aww. at the age of five, someone takes me over to the big part of the house and says, there's your little brother, that's your brother. Aww. So this little- oh, You've got to start, but why are you in care? Um, my mum had TB okay. at the time when she was having me. So they had two whippers off. And the other thing was she worked hard, she did three jobs. Um, and in the end, it just got too much for her. So she would always have, incrementally a breakdown um, and then she had another one when I was nine so Bernardo's took me back to Southport uh, and everything was based around my education you know it's like he's a bright kid we'll send him to a good school hey, you were lucky though yeah. I was very I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I would say I'm 95% lucky there's yeah. always another side yeah, to okay. it, you know but for a black good. kid to be real mm. recognised as being bright mm. back then Mm. I mean, they can't even write nice history now. History books. We <laughs> <laughs> should read about kings. <laughs> I want to be a king. I want to be a king. I can tell people what to do. No. <laughs> so, 19... Probably about 
1963, a woman was introduced to me in, I, I can see the silhouette, so if you can imagine uh, Dusty Springfield, but looking like Shirley Bassey, <laughs> with the big, big hair, winged glasses, the um, pencil skirt, and she arrived and that woman was my mother. And mm. she just said, I'll be taking you home in a few days. So that's why they did introduce my, me to my brother. Mm. And then we ended up on a train, which seemed like a scene train, and we came all the way to Victoria. Then from Victoria came to Trafford Bar. And then when I arrived at Trafford Bar, uh, it was at night time, so I didn't see it until the morning. And I've never been so frightened in all my life. Why? Because when my mum took me out, this is going to freak people out. You know what's coming. Mm. I had never seen another black person in my life. Oh, I didn't wow. even see colour. Mm. I didn't know what colour was. And then all of a sudden I saw all this colour. How old are you? Uh, I'm 62. No, I won't. No. <laughs> then I was probably about five, wow. six. So I arrived there and I'm going to be honest with you, I was terrified. <laughs> Absolutely terrified. And the other thing was the way I spoke, because people were like, so you know you're going to get it, but yeah. you know what? I think because of the family that I had around me and the connections, all the strong women, everyone was an auntie. So they were all connected like the Williamses, you know, old pop Williams, Mrs. Williams, um, the Freeman family. You know, Johnny Freeman's family, if you know them. Mm. Um, so they were like my family. Uh, and they just made sure it was like, no, that's our bill. You don't, you don't go near him. And then I learned how, how to defend myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you had to, yeah. Um, so did she bring you all back then? Were you all back together well, as a family? By that time, I, my older brothers and sisters were adopted um, to their father's families. And so I was the eldest, and I had a young brother and two younger sisters um, by that time. Like I say, it was when I was 16, 17, that I found out that I had older brothers and sisters. I was no longer the oldest one. <laughs> so she didn't say anything all no. that time? No, 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 no. My mum was, it's, uh, and I don't mind saying it because I've spoken about it often. My mum's father was Liberian. He was a sailor, he was over here in the 19, probably about the 1920s. My grandmother was a Polish, I believe a Polish, US, uh, who'd moved to Ireland and then from Ireland to Liverpool. She was the housekeeper. He'd met her in Liverpool. Um, and then my mum was born in 1934. My grandmother left my mother. And so my grandfather was away. So we had people looking after her. And then he died of lung cancer. Oh, no. But I think he had diabetes and he had complications from it when I've looked at uh, further information. Um, and so my mum was put into what is style prison, which was the orphanage. It was an orphanage before it became the prison. Uh, and that's where she lived until she was 15, 16, and then she came to Manchester Royal as a nursing cadet to do a training. And then by 16, she'd had my eldest brother. So that's that part of her career. So she kept it under wraps. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but she's an amazing woman, you know. She is, she's, uh, what she, I always say whenever I, sort of bigger up, I just turn around and say, grandfather died, you were the seed that was on the tree, you were dropped down, and this is your orchard. Yeah. All the kids around really her, cool. you know, the grandkids and the great grandkids. Um, you know, and she's a product of, of, of her own childhood, you know, she, she's not overly emotional, she doesn't, you know, put her arms around you. 
she'll say I love you as she's walking past I love you <laughs> you know but we're so used to it but what I like I like to see further generations when she looks at her great grandkids mm. she's completely different so I always say to my brothers and sisters now you can imagine what mum would have been like with us if she'd have had that strong oh, background. Oh, you're trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> How old is she? She's 85. 85. She lives with me. Does yeah. she? Yeah, she's driving up the wall. <laughs> Why did she drive you up the wall? What was she up to? Uh, I'm too close to her and I'm too like her. Okay. Mm, I'm too like her. And um, so we have to, I have my own space, she has her space. And my niece stays to help me out when I'm away, so... She's fine, she's, you know, she goes shopping, in a taxi, straight into Charlton, in a taxi, straight into town. Potters around, get her into Evansley's. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's good. She's good, she's an amazing woman. What's, what's, <clears throat> what's fascinating about your story is the power of the female in your life. So I can say that again. The, the power of the female in your the, life. Exactly. It is the power of the female. Because if you go back to the 1960s, what I remember were women. That's right, yeah. That's all I remember. Mm -hmm. The men, I used, to, I used to hear the names, but I never saw... I'm not saying that they weren't home. I'm not saying that they were in work and they did, you know, the, you know a lot of them worked down at um, Trafford Bar or they worked in the breweries or, you know, so they'd be on shift patterns. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the women I knew were single mothers. You know, and they were bringing up their kids, and it was bloody tough. But we, but we relied on that network, that community, to look after us. I mean, I, my mum was not stupid. She was like, well, if you want to eat, you have to cook. So she taught me from a very early age about housekeeping, about doing those things. And she said, right, there's the key. You will bring your brothers and sisters home. <laughs> you know, you will, you know, give them their tea. Um, and it was the usual thing, you know. I think we all had strong women, didn't we? All our mothers were strong women. Yeah, they were. Same with me. My mother was the... Very strong women. Very strong. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it needs... She and it, made and me what I am. I used to love all, all, all my friends, yeah. all, the, all the older women. They were lovely. They used to cover me too well. Yeah. Put me in on the rest and cover me to was it, was oh, it, come here, Jeff, give us a goggle. It was love, don't worry, on the chest. On the bottom. No. But the com it wasn't just the community. Where you live, when we talk about the old Moss side, that was your playground. Oh. And so when you stepped out. But it out was the community, wasn't yeah. it? Where you could. You knew you had to go to work, yeah. but you knew there was a neighbour yeah. who was at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but that's what, I said. That's what I said to you before. We never starved. Yeah. That's why I don't understand food banks now, because we, we were worse no, than that. Yeah. We never starved, but we always had somewhere. We had somewhere to yeah. Yeah. We did. You yeah. know? And, and, and I mean, it would be. And there was like a network where if there was no money, you hadn't got it, because it was national assistance then. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, national, yeah. the national assistance. And my mum was bloody good. She'd drag us all along. Did your mum have a red book? Yeah, to go to, to go to the corner shop and write yeah, it down yeah. for you. And pay it at the end of the week. Tick. Yeah. <laughs> pay it at the end of the week, wasn't it? Um, but, you know, I mean, there'd be like the loans and they'd be hiding behind. Right, just be quiet. Yeah. Stay down. Yeah. Don't answer the, the door. The old man knew. He knew that they were in the house, but he knew he'd get his money eventually. Yeah. 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 So he'd put you through hell at first and... You know, mm. you'd eventually pay it off. 
Yeah, Friday night was the best yeah. time when you was a kid. Yeah. You wanted chip shop money. Yeah. yeah. My dad was around, but his influence didn't get to me. Hmm. My mom was a person. That's why I respect women. Yeah. I have a very high opinion of the female. Yeah. Through my mom. And for that to happen, growing up in a family where my dad was there, as far as I was concerned, he was no, he was nobody. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> See, was I, I asked, yeah. I asked um, someone I knew, oh, yes. a friend's father, because he, he actually said, said to me, son said to me, I've always hated my father. And I said, hate is a big word. Mm. Why do you hate him? He was never there for me. And I turned around to him and I went, okay. Do you have a house? He went, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you have food on the table? Yeah. Do you have clothes? Yeah. Did you want for anything? He went, well, not really. I said, who do you think did the job that paid for that, that allowed your mother to be at home to make sure that you got the good care at home? Your dad just didn't know how. His yeah. love was but earning money go to and putting a house. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's how you have to look at it. So I'm not knocking dads. I'm just saying that, you know, if we look today where a lot of our youth can be, particularly when you're seen in London and the gang culture, because they gravitate to gangs mm. or they gravitate to what they think are strong people. It's another people. family, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's mm, another yeah. family. But nine times out of ten, they have a, a very sort of disjointed view of their mothers, you know. What when you they, well, they don't have no respect. They don't have respect for their mothers. They don't have respect for women. Mm-hmm. And it comes through videos. I'm, so, I'm being serious. You, you sort of see sure, it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you, you may not see it up front, but I'll tell you where you'll see it. You'll see it online. You'll see it on their phones. If you sit on a bus and you can hear the lads behind you and the comments they make, these are like 12, 13 and 14-year-old lads. And, and they've been sexualized because of porn. I'm sorry, I know we're moving all this this trap, but this disrespect that comes in. And when I turn around to them and say, always remember, your mother's a woman, your sister's a woman, your grandmother's a woman, your auntie's a woman, your cousin's a woman. So if I spoke about your the female form within your family, you're going to be angry, you're going to kick off. So why do you think you've got the right to speak about other girls like that? So... You wouldn't be here if you it wasn't be here. your mother. <laughs> but unfortunately, the psychology is... Yeah. This is my tribe. This is my family, yeah. and that's the gang culture. Mm. That the only person. I don't know whether you agree with me. The only person who. No, could, I'm just thinking. The person who could straighten you out when you was little was your mum, wasn't it? The only, yeah. one, the only person I took notice was my mum. I did well. Why know? did you say person your dad didn't matter? What did you mean? Um, my dad was there, but he didn't look after the family. There was no the emotional kids. investment. In no way, not even financially. Oh. You know what I mean? And why, yes, why, what was he doing with his money? He used to drink it and gamble and oh, sort of yeah. Yeah. And then my mum used to have to struggle yeah. to put, you know, food on the table, yeah. clothes for us to wear, all the things that... So she was more or less our, the breadwinner, the organiser, dedicated. And the fact is, he was, he was a very intelligent man, but he lost his way through... He was here, in the, he came here during the war and joined the RAF, yeah? When he came back to Jamaica, 
He was ill. Because <coughs> when they flew him back to Jamaica, and he went straight into the army hospital out there, we didn't see him for the first six months he was in Jamaica, we didn't see him. What's he ill we, with, Persian? Mentally ill or no, physically ill? No, he had um, ulcers, ulcers. Okay. But it was bad, it burst. Yeah. So you didn't see him for six months, sorry. So we had to visit him at the hospital before he came home. And um, he started working for um, the government. And he started drinking, got into um, a drinking culture, a group of them. But it, he took it bad, and he was abusive, he didn't care about nothing, all he does when he, he used to drink, because he was working for um, the custom service, and he used to go to the warehouse, where this, the Queen's warehouse, where they take contraband of people. Okay. And it's in this big warehouse, and he used to go there once a month, and they call it tally, where they check everything to make sure everything is there. But they had the access to bring in whatever they want okay. out of there. Right. right. So you just imagine mm-hmm. what went on. Which is my baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's not sharing it, is what he's saying. But he's not using it. His privilege wasn't use for the family for the family yeah. and my mum had all this stress and strain and she and you all knew as a family that he's got this privilege yeah and he's he's not sharing it not sharing it with the family and he's no. being abusive to make sure he can keep it and my mum was so brilliant she left an impression on me that i'll never forget this is why i have so much respect for the female I think we were spoiled as growing up people around us because we both grew up with both parents. Yeah, we did. We both had, I mean, I had mine, both parents up until last year. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know what that is. That's what I'm saying. And people asking me over the years, and we talk about it, and they go like that. I you think it's together. Yes. And I'd be like, and that's yeah, the thing. <laughs> yeah. Because they say that, like, it was my Jessica that made a point, and it was a good few years ago, um, because she's 36 now, maybe at school, but she's mentioned it since. She said, Do you know what, Mum? Um, I'm the only one in, in the class. Mm. Those parents are still together. That's and got this. parents that are still together. And yeah. I was like, Really? Because it's not something I would have expected in that time. Yeah. You know, maybe when she was still at school, just before she left to go to college and then mm. university. But even now, but looking back, I did not know what it was to live in a house mm. with a mum and a dad from I was a little girl because they split up when I was little. I can remember them living together when I was little, but then the paths changed and I never knew what it was like and to live And it's mad with. because that's all I've ever really? known. And you that's did as well. That's all I've ever known. I did not know with a dad. Yeah. Each other yeah. and a dad, no mum, ever. Ah, oh, so you were with a dad and no mum? Yeah. yeah. Mum left yeah. and eight of us were born. Right. The last one. So that's a How different upbringing. How old was you when your mum went? 
So isn't that, it, it's, it's normally, thing, yeah, because yeah. it's not normally yeah. a dad that's left to look after yeah. the kids. Mm -hmm. It's normally always like, especially a black man. Yeah, especially a black man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got a totally different perspective then. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. men yeah. keep yeah. everything yeah. together. You white and your mum, yeah. I haven't got that. I no, mean, no, black. So yeah, you've exactly. got, yeah, you've so got African yeah. ways from yeah. your dad. Yeah. That's what you see. And that's why I'm a little bit hard. I'm not, like you were saying, I'm not kind of sloppy because I haven't had that mother thing. Yeah. You know, I've had eight kids. Oh, I'm not sloppy. <laughs> no, we know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But it, it's all different <clears throat> perspectives of you are with a dad, you with two parents, two yeah. parents, yeah, me with so a mum, going to visit a dad occasionally staying um, with the dad and then having to go away then going into care yeah that's something else that's on another yeah, level yeah. care mm -hmm. um because that word shouldn't always be used because it's not care yeah absolutely. definitely isn't care and then coming back um not an adult but 16 and mm -hmm. life had changed so much um, and go but going back to a mum Mm. Mm. you know after all them years that I found that really really hard well look what kind of mother that made you yeah I tried you know to make you succeeded but you're yeah. right when you move generations and you become a mother, I look at all the girls in my family and they're amazing mothers mm. and when we when we all finally got together the most important thing was about the next generation. Mm. We had to instill in them that, you know, you had to be the best that you could be. We invested in them, mm. you know. And so mm. now we come to the great nephews and nieces. You want to see the life they've got. Yeah. Mm. They will do well. You know, their, mm. their manners are there. Mm -hmm. um, probably a little bit old-fashioned because they're, you know, like Claire, my niece. I mean, she is, she's her mother. And she said, oh, she came to stay with me when she was 14. She'd met a boy. Mm. And she was having hell with her mother. And I just said to her mother, look, give it to me. Just trust me. She, she's in love with this lad. You matter nothing. You matter nothing to her at the moment. She's a 14-year-old girl and she wants her boyfriend. But she came and stayed with me. And um, she had an experience where this person was trying to force her into something, which we know, and she wasn't ready for that. And I just said, well, just tell him no. He started putting a little bit of pressure on it, so in the end we had to deal with it in a certain way. It was all respectful, there was no violence involved, but, you know, it was fair to say to him, don't put under that sort of pressure. Uh, and I've watched her change, and I always remember saying to her once, because um, she goes, I hate my mum, I hate my mum, I hate my mum. She'll kill me if she ever hears this. She's she gonna hear it, she's yeah. not getting worried, man, come on. No, but I can, but I can say this, because I, I, I'll, I'll sit right in front of her, and I just looked at her and I turned around and said, listen, one day, your mother's voice is gonna come round and you're going to hear your mother's voice. And as she was, after she had her first child, which was Brooke, she said something to me when she came round and I was just staring at her like that. With this long pause and she went, what are you looking at me like that for? And I said, repeat what you've just said. And she did. And she went, and? And I went, now, repeat it again. Where have you heard that before? And she just went, Oh my God, it's my mother. <laughs> and I said, and now you understand, you have to have that degree of separation to find yourself. Mm. However, you have to rely on 
what experiences that you've had or what your parents have had or the advice that they've given to you. You can either choose to use it or don't use it. In her case, she chose to use it. And so she is her mother and her husband is, I mean, he's like an old Victorian dad. He just, he works, he loves his kids. You know, he's got, he's got the beard and everything, but he's amazing. And they're, they're not like your typical couple. But when I see the, how the kids are thriving, I just, I just sit back and I admire them, you know. So it starts in the past. Mm. You know, you've got choices to make. It's breaking moulds as it's well. Breaking or moles. it's breaking um it's not a mold. Yeah, it's you come to a part of your life and you go, Wow, did is that life? Mm. But no, there's another way to go mm. and you actually think, I'm gonna try that path mm. and you go down it and you might meet obstacles, but they're a challenge mm. and you just face them on. A lot of it is that fear of yeah. not going down that path, but trying to instill into your next generation mm. and then you can see the third generation and the fourth generation how yeah. they are and you go well you know what actually it was meant to be because we got there it, yeah we got there yeah, yeah. Absolutely. totally absolutely yeah. I believe that but I always remember when I first came to Manchester like I said we got off the train and it's you know where Aldi is on Seymour mm. Grove or was mm. yeah in them days, it was it was literally shops and houses, yeah. and mm. there, there was uh, terrace streets behind it. It's posh area. Mm. <laughs> it, it was poshish. It posh-ish. was. Yeah. <laughs> well, we moved into what are we moved into? Were two bedrooms. It was two rooms. Mum had the front room, so it was like a bed sit mm. with a, a little kitchen diner in it, and my sisters um, were in there with my mum, and we were in the next room. There was old uh, Flossie that lived at the back, who had the cats, and she was... Uh, There's always some out, fucker yeah. with cats in the back. <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 she knows what I mean, in everyone's area. Yeah, she knows what I mean. She knows what I mean. She knows what I mean. But she... Um, I don't know if I should be saying this, but yeah. she was... It, she had what I would describe as dementia in them days. But she was quite safe because the people who lived in the house looked after her. If Flossie needed anything, we went for it. Go get Flossie this. Then we had um, the two rag and bone men and their girlfriend. They were bonkers. <laughs> two rag and bone two. men? Yeah, brothers. And they had so to get the cart. Yeah. That is pops. <laughs> <laughs> we had yeah. one. It, yeah. isn't, it isn't when your house ends up full of fleas. Oh. <laughs> My mum used to go absolutely, <laughs> she'll kill me, she used to go ballistic, everything was being scrubbed. Um, so they, and then there was the, the Burns family that lived downstairs, the Irish family that lived downstairs. Why was the rag and bone people and the partners but mental, what were they doing? Drinking. Giving you fleas. Literally bringing because they were sorting everything out in the oh, backyard so or in the yeah. house. Oh, you know. okay. And then you'd be one, you know, one be like this. Was it a real step toe and son? Yeah. yeah. It had to be a step toe and son But we lived in these two rooms until we eventually, my mum found a house where we lived on the top floor and another family lived downstairs until we had a house which is obviously when the council started doing all the building up in yeah. the 70s. Um, so you had Arnsby Walk. Oh, yeah. Arnsby Walk. We lived in Arnsby Walk, yeah, uh, yeah. facing Princess Road and mm. at the side of Hart Lager. So we lived on the third level. What year is that? Uh, that would be 
I'd gone back to Southport, so I'd done my training, that, finished my training in 1974, and then came to do my psychiatric, I was doing a learning disability, so I came to do my psychiatric at Springfield, so that was 18 months. So I would say it'd be about 1974, 75. And it was, um, it was yeah, it was, a, it was a different place, but by that time I was going out in the city. So I was out in the clubs and I was out in the bars. And Where was you? Out in the clubs, out in the bars? With Fonzo. <laughs> Before Fonzo. Before Fonzo. Yeah. Where was your club in town? I was going to the Millionaire. And town oh, place. Yeah. I forgot about the Millionaire. Yeah. If you could dance, Pete yes. Fellow used to say, mm. he'd say to you, come down to yeah. my club, you won't have to buy a drink all night on the condition that you dance. Mm. So you basically you prostituted yourself. <laughs> <a day. laughs> you shook your oh, touch. John still does it now. And, 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 and by that time, oh. disco, disco was coming through. So where, if The you Playboy, dance, did you go yeah. to the Playboy? I used to go the to play the Playboy. Yeah. The Playboy club? Yeah. Not really, but I used to go to the Playpen. Oh, yes. Which oh, was, was, was next yes. to yeah. yeah. the yeah. Yeah. Palace Theatre. And where else? Oh, Time and Place. Time and Place. Oh, my Explosion. God. Yeah. You just finish this off. Do you ever go Lloyd's? I remember it vaguely. I don't know. Yeah, but time and place explosion. The one that was upstairs. Yeah. The, that that's later. That's that's oh, the yeah, eight, that's eighties yeah. and the eighties and early nineties. And Mr. Smith. Yeah. Warrington. In Warrington, Warrington. Mr. John Smith. Yeah, yeah. bless him. God rest yeah. his soul. Yeah. So you're a disco baby, aren't you? Yeah, you like. I was. Oh, show show yeah. moves. Did you do about you? No. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, do. The Zuby Doo. Oh, oh my Zuby Doo! I have got all about that because we lived in Gorton. We lived off Mount Road. We lived off Mount Road. There's no way. Yeah, we lived off Mount Road. That was that. That was Twice a week, I'd only go to the... Mum, do you know this? We had an over-18 and an under-18. Teens, yeah. So you could see the over-18s through the glass thing. Yeah, And you'd look and say, I aspire to be you. I aspire to be you. Did you go to the Carlton Club? Yeah. I used to go yeah. to the Carlton, yeah. I live near the Carlton yeah. Club now, the Carlton Club. Yeah. Kevin Edwards. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Edwards. Well, Kev Edwards, yeah, because yeah. I worked with Kev there. years ago. They have a certain nights and I still go. Yeah. Oh, they have some top nights. Didn't know you still went out, Carlton. Jesus, getting chilled. She's always there. So just out of curiosity, what were your years? In the, where the arena? Are, are, you, are you more 70s, 80s? Arena, aren't you? No, I'm, I'm 67. Behave. <sighs> See, it's there before you. <laughs> Behave. <laughs> That's what cycling gets you, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. She. Are you serious? Are you serious? This is just for people listening, they're just admiring Jeff's physique. There's not a line on his face. Yeah. Hey, baby, it's not only black that don't crack. It's in the jeans. Yeah. No, I eat a lot of raw fish, don't I? Oh, don't tell me that. Yeah, stop it now. That sounds bad. I think what it is, I get it from my mother. You know, I look like my mother, and whatever, and I got all her jeans because. She would look younger, you know what I mean? Yeah. She would look her age. So I just think it's that. 
You don't get stressed though, I'm do you? Yeah. Nah, I've got, nice. got no time for being stressed. It's <laughs> <laughs> too late. But, but do you want to know something? That is the secret it of is. life. If yeah. you can keep stress away from yourself, it's the killer. I did, yeah. It's the absolute yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm learning now. No, it's, did it's, you never get stressed? Go on. If something goes wrong, and it was that day we went wrong, I wake up the next morning, that's over yeah, with. That's over I don't yeah. want to know about yeah. it. That's yeah. done with, you know. Get on the next day. But I've got to, you know, life is too short to worry about. I mean, I, I, I think people don't have time to think. They don't have time to rest. They don't have time to relax, yeah, you know. Yeah. In fact, I'm convinced that yeah. somebody that maybe is a scientist, what would be 24 hours say in the 1960s isn't 24 hours mm. in the 1970s in other words could you imagine if they'd say right okay that's 24 we want to get more productive more pro productivity out of people so a 24 hour day it'll actually be a 22 hour day yeah. how would we know that they've reduced the time mm. yeah you're right that's if you you know because yeah. i just think it's you know, like i was saying to linda before i get really you know when i read about young people mm. like the other day get killing themselves what's mm. that all about mm. you know mm. we all went through struggles ourselves you know yeah. and we're still here i think know? when you've got a genius spotlight it's a bit different I, th I think what we've got at the moment is um expectations yeah. unrealistic oh, yeah. expectations we've got a world population now that if you work it out is seven mm. billion i actually remember the night it was three o'clock in the morning world service when they actually said the seven Billion person was born in China. I was like, oh, you've just made that one up. Yeah, um, you must have done that. Would you know that? Yeah. Yeah. This is on. With people in woods and everything, exactly. taxis, everything all over. I know, but, but what it was 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 a signal that we had we had actually crossed. So, in other words, from a recorded point of view, that it was seven billion. And when you start looking at seven billion people, you start looking at a world, a planet, and its resources, and how do we maintain that resources when we're killing the sea? We're, destroying the land we're destroying the air not us mm. it's just the way that we you know the modern it's age evolving we're living. Isn't it's it? evolving yeah. for and instance when i came into this country to find a job was the hardest thing mm. because wherever you went there were signs for vacancies and you go to inquire for a job I'm going to say no vacancies. But yet still there's mm. yeah. advertising. No blacks, no Irish, no, no dogs. Blacks, yeah. no, you know, some of them really put that up. Mm -hmm. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. But yet still, we didn't feel like taking our lives. No. 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 Oh, do you know what? No, they said that time it's difficult for them because mm. they can't get any jobs. This is why the day been like, you know, committing suicide and all that. I yeah. just don't understand it. I think if you've worked in mental health mm. and, the, and the fact that kids yeah. can de the deterioration, it's absolutely, it's real. Is it's it It's because the expectations of pressure on people. Yeah. that they feel mm. that they're under. Yeah. And the images that are brought into yeah. them. So like and when I, you see the, yeah. when you see pop videos, and you, yeah. you know, when you realise that celebrity mm. has now taken over religion. Yes. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Celebrities have taken over. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. You yeah. know, when you've got 150 million people, do you follow like the Kardashians? I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. No, that's what it Who is. are they? What, what are they? Yeah. Yeah. And all yeah. that. You've all got to be perfect and think, have perfect bodies yeah. and all the rest yeah. of it. It's not real. No, it's not. But I think the other thing as well is when you're looking at something like that, back in the day when we were, or things that happened individually mm. to us as people, things that happen in your life that 
I'm not saying, oh my God, it's me, but things that have happened and I've just thought, oh my God, I go, you think to yourself, well, I'll just go in the house and I'll lie for the week and I'll come out and I'll do. What else so, knows about it though. Yeah. Everybody knows, everybody knows about it. And, and I think that's what happened. And I think that's what happened with Caroline. If you think yes, about definitely. it, they're telling you how to do this mm. on social media. Oh, yeah, Go on. They're telling you how to take your life. telling you how to take your life. Yes. They're making it easy for yeah. people that feel that's under easy. stress. I cannot yeah. do this. Well, I'll just go online and might not be that but somebody just pops up that one person mm. that pops up and thinks oh let me get into her head mm. and they go and in the red. thank you that's what all that was mm. going and it's online telling you yeah. what to do mm-hmm. instead of saying don't do this yes. talk to this person pick a phone up walk into a shop and say i feel like doing mm. this yeah. the thing is with the internet though is it is ultimately it's only a reflection of what people Ah, this is not a malicious thing that's like, oh, we're going to promote this, we're going to promote this. It's a reflection of a dark... I do understand, I I agree with you, but it's not totally true. There's people Mm. there that are telling Mm, these people to do it. The other thing is that that when you are surrounded by negativity, Mm. your news is negative. You only have to look at your soaps, your soaps are negative. If you tell me EastEnders, I don't watch them. But I don't knock people for watching them. If if that's how they're going to get their examples of how to survive life through that medium, I'm sorry, you know. I have to laugh. I, I like watching yeah. soaps, right? Yeah. And I watch them and I think, that's not real. That yeah. would never yeah. happen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's totally crazy. crazy. Well, I know where they get the, stu- the subject matter from. Chat. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm sorry. They do. Yeah. It's like the chat and take a break. And you just see the, you know, the stories up front where somebody... Yeah. And it's like my dad. Yeah, he's after my uncle. And he's my dog. And he's like, God, John, what are you reading? But it is... But it is like it is like that. And it's just a day in my life, though. <laughs> so we 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 never had that. We, yeah. I mean, our examples were, uh, I mean, like for me was back in Bernardo's. They asked me what I wanted to do, and I said I wanted to be an actor. And someone turned around and and I know why they said it. Go on. They went, You're where are you go, where are you going to act? He said, where yeah. do you see people like and the yeah, terms were sure. like you. So do you feel the kid? No, no, no. the fuck off the chin. Yeah, no, the home. So do you? So you're No, 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 no. I will not. I will not have them pulled down because it, because it makes you stronger in doing. In their, yeah. what they were, well, they were trying. They approached it probably the, the wrong way. Yeah. Rather than turn around and say, well, look, then you could be the first one. Which is yeah. what I would do with, yeah. it, with somebody that was young that wanted to do something. Well, okay, so you can't, you don't see yourself represented into this, but you could be the first one. Mm. You know, they couldn't do that. They, no, but they, what exactly did they do though? What did they, they, they pushed me away from wanting to be an actor mm. and do want to do theatre. And so I, like I said, I ended, I actually ended up in nursing just purely by chance. I went, I went as a volunteer up to mm. a learning disability hospital, and. Um, I remember my first, I was taken into the kitchen of this ward and the kids, who were actually adults but looked like children, were literally running up walls and I was in hysterics. Mm-hmm. But I was ashamed, I was embarrassed. And it was the, um, the matron who was walking us around and I kept, I was so embarrassed, I was like, yeah, I just want to get out of here. And she was the one that held me back and she said, you had the most natural reaction. She said, why wouldn't you <laughs> laugh if you saw somebody climb, running up a wall? Was this mental health? It was, yeah. learning, it was My first day at a mental health hospital, yeah. 
I can't say obviously the person's mm. name. Fifteen minutes ago, I left them alone uh, on Willows, mm. and uh, a patient came out, and the first thing they said to me was, "said I just shit my pants." Yeah. And I, that, I was like, a lot of people would think I'm not sane in this environment, mm. yeah. dealing with people shitting the pants mm. and telling me that you've got to help me out here. Mm. But it's amazing working in that world how you know the amount yeah. of people I saw start a shift and then you would never see them again. Yeah. They'd go yeah. home after one day. <clears throat> yeah. Never seen them. I'd have been sat the minute they said I shit my pants. <laughs> I'd have been like, you dirty bastard. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but do you think that, that for you then was, because um, I've, I've seen I've seen like from where you were, from you were 40, you were six mm. and you were growing up mm. and to where you've got to like today, but in the intermediate of where, to get where you got today, you did several different jobs Absolutely, yeah. to get where you were, yeah. even though you knew what you wanted to do. Yeah. It's perseveration. And, and it's opportunity as well. And it, okay. for, for me, there was a lot, uh, you know, people wanted to invest in me anyway. Um, like I had my own clothes shop on Dean's Gate mm-hmm. back in, back in the 80s. I remember. Emporium. What I will say so that everybody knows over the air, I <laughs> yeah. had a 10% working share. So I was given 10%, because I didn't have any money, but they gave me 10%, and they said, we'll build that up, because you're the front of the shop, you're the one that's selling to people, Um, and that's where you sort of get your name and your focus, and then I started setting up clubs and bars and club nights. Sounds fantastic, but all I was trying to do was have the sort of night that I wanted and my friends wanted, and I couldn't find it. So when I set up Barabaco under J.W. Johnson's, the live music club... You remember it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I said that. <laughs> I didn't know it was yeah. you, Bill. I didn't know it was you. Yeah, yeah. And it was, and and I got that idea from the states. You know, I worked wow. in a place called the Bluebird of Paradise in um, just outside Detroit when I was studying over there, and I worked in the only place I could work on campus because I couldn't drive, as I said to you. So everyone kept saying, "Well, you, you know, you'll have to work on campus just to earn a living." Although I was on a scholarship. And uh, when I came back, I remember the Bluebird of Paradise because you would get people like, if somebody was doing a gig, let's say Stevie Wonder, or you'd get, um, think of a, uh, the bottle. See Gil Scott like, Heron. Gil Scott Gil Heron, Scott and sort of people like that. If they were doing downtown, they'd come to the Bluebird of Paradise and they'd, they'd be sat having drinks and then mm. next minute, I didn't know who they were. Yeah, and and then all of a sudden the music's going and my head's going and it's like, I don't want to serve drinks. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, I remember that. You know, and I had this English accent, so the Americans loved it. And then I thought to myself, that would work so well in Manchester. And then it was just a case of the space came available on Deeds Gate. Someone said, well, can you set it up for us? So I set it up for them. What are you going to call it? And I called it Barabaco. And that was because it's bar and a backhoe is below. Bar below the stairs. I remember. I remember that. Amazing. So... So again, you know, every, everything for me has been, it's about making money. Yeah. So, I can, so I can survive, yeah. you know. So having multiple skills um, means that hopefully if I've got to work till I'm 70, which we all are, um, I can, there's things that I can do from home, I can teach. So that's it. But we're all teachers, every one of us. Did you ever go in the Reno Bill? Of course I did. The first, oh my! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've got to tell you, it was it was hilarious. My eldest brother Leslie 
was at university, uh, well, he was at Manchester Poly, and um, he was a student, and he didn't have that much money, whereas I was working, I was a student nurse, so I had a little bit more money than him, so on a Friday, when I used to get paid, because we used to get, do we get paid weekly? We, oh, oh, it was weekly yeah. then, yeah, we get paid I weekly. remember it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? And it was yeah. always yeah. in a packet, and always in case, used to go yeah. to the, used brown to go, packet, yeah. yeah, brown packet, and used to go, used to go to the paid base to go yeah. and get your, get, yeah. get your wages. So he'd always be there on a Friday night <laughs> and he'd say, let's go to the playpen. Let's oh, go here, let's go yeah. there for a drink. Red, so he drank red stripes and um, there was a horrible one. Not your barley wine, though. That, never yeah. again, never again. I've never told <laughs> on barley wine in all my life. Oh. Anyway, we got drunk and he said, come on, I'm taking you down to the Reno. But my uncle Ronnie was on the door at the time. He was, and he, he just turned around and went, nah. He says, he's not coming in. And I'm looking, I'm going, I'm going, what do you mean? Why, why can't I come in? You know what I mean? Why can he go and I can't go in? I said, I wouldn't mind, but I'm paying for him. Mm-hmm. And then he, he sort of let us in. And he said, don't let Ali know, because Ali will kill me if she finds out he's coming here. Do you Ali? Ali, uh, my mum, Alberta. Oh, okay. Alberta. Okay. So, um, so that was it. So anyway, I, my brother's talking to some friends, and one of them was a rast, and he had these like, big dreads, and he had a, next minute he has a cone in his hand. And he's holding it, he went, <laughs> remember I've been drinking and he went, <laughs> blew it in my face and I just went, within about three minutes I thought, all I felt was this, <laughs> and I was over, I just keeled over. So that was my first experience of it. What I remember after that, I mean, to be honest with you, be, it was down. always yeah. after we'd been to town, yeah. we went down there. Yeah. So it was never an early thing for us and it would... And you'd be amazed from the city centre who wanted to go down to the arena. Oh, yeah. And you'd have, I'm going to say this, the ladies of the night <laughs> further up the road. Hiya, darling, you're right. What are you doing? <laughs> you got a cigarette, love? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> then you'd but they, but they were fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They were, they were, I don't care what anyone says. So really? as I got older, it was, and I used to see them, you know, I knew most of them by name. Yeah. And it was a case of, you know, I'm, it's sad what they had to do, but that's life, you know, it's tough. It's sad when they had to give the money to the guy to go and yeah. gamble it away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or go and spend it on another sad. woman. Yeah, yeah. 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 we're all night, is it? Hey, there's your money, I'm going upstairs to gamble. Mm. <laughs> I bought you a drink, what board do you want? Don't black clap, bother me. Didn't <laughs> 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 uh, sounded like Didn't John, so- didn't Sorry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, do you remember Sonny? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't yeah. he? The didn't night. he die? Yeah. He was murdered. Yeah. He was my dad's, one of my dad's closest, closest yeah. friends. Yeah. yeah. He, he died outside. Yeah. yeah the outside he was murdered. He was the club. What? Oh, he died. Was um. You know, he used to gamble. He, he used to gamble table. in the back. Yeah. yeah. Up there. And an Irish lad. An Irish lad got broke. He won all the money from this yeah. Irish lad. And he waited for him coming out. He did. And stabbed him. And he stabbed him. Mm. But didn't he have a minder that used to drive him home because he used to used to drink? Someone well, saw... he, he did, but um, he whatever home. happened, I think he probably sent him away. He, sent, that he did, he yeah. sent him home. Yeah. yeah. And it broke a lot of people's hearts. The old and women are going talking old school. Yeah. Because my dad, these certain ones want the person mm. of age and him and my dad was really close. Mm. Mm. Um, and that was, I, I was very young when that happened but it left a really big impression. 
because of how close and because I knew him personally. Yeah. And because it was never the same. I think it's the way dad as well. That, your that, dad. Yeah, yeah. Your dad and that group. Yeah. Those are lots of them from, they used to work at the cleaner. They did. And they used to come home, come up late at night when they finished the yeah. work. Around two o'clock. Yeah. And they used to go in. Some used to come in the arena. And the most of them used to go, go in the Nile. In the yeah. Nile. My dad had a little corner in the bar in the Nile. Yeah. Right where yeah. his corner was a certain place. So I'd probably nip in there before I went in the arena. Yeah. I'd get a couple of two shillings. <laughs> get a few and, bob off yeah, it. Yeah, get a couple of bob and then go down. And, but always made sure he was all right because he never, as far as I ever knew, my dad never ever went in the arena. Really? He never he went in the arena. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was yeah, a certain group. Like, yeah, in the Nile, he'd never go in there. He on course at that. Well, my dad at the time had the barber shop, so yeah. he was always barbering. I know we're moving all over the place, but I. What are people's memories of the riots? Oh, oh. Well, and how it started, mm, you know. Was an what was <laughs> that, Carmen? You no, were on that. No, say that again. No, say it again. Missed it. Yeah, missed it. She had a mushroom risotto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. Like, I did that. Like. <laughs> the riots is when she thought she was tripping the whole time. She started gathering on the. Um, on the grass outside, yeah. the grass outside yeah. face, facing where yeah. it happened, yeah. yeah. I lived in Medlock Court then, so you'll see a lot of it. I heard the first bottle. Yeah. But if everybody remembers, was it was a very hot summer. Yeah. We had that mm. really hot summer that mm. lasted for about 12 weeks. Well, it's a demonstration. It's a de there's a demonstration that's it's going past... It's a riot! This is a fucking riot! Yeah, there's a demonstration going past the gallery at the moment. Is it... It's, it's take get, back the night, females. Yes, get, get rid of seen them all before with the plaques. Yeah. What, what, are they, what are they demonstrating about? They're not, it's about take back the night, I think it's called. It's what about women? women? It's, what yeah. You can't walk at night. So, yeah. Just let me have a little gamble. Well, we're all there to support them anyway. Um, so, the riots were... So what I, so what I remember, remember was my mum was at work and, she, and I, I was more concerned because... There was a lot of tension. There's a lot of tension going on in in um, in Moss Side at the time. There was the sus laws where people were being stopped, but I don't think that that was the cause. There was a trigger in another part of the country. So London, was it Tox was it, it Toxteth? It was Toxteth before Moss Side. Yes, it was. It was London, Liverpool, then and then Manchester, Manchester. and then it, it sort of went out to places like Leeds. Yeah. Everybody yeah. jumped on and the bandwagon yeah. after that. Um, and my mum was uh, peddling back from Boopa where she worked. Um, so it was before Boopa, it was a Catholic hospital. And she remembered coming down to Princess Parkway, or Princess Road as it was then. And there was an old Jewish man at a tailor's. It was one of the first shops just around the corner from the Reno and the Nile. And he, I, he was stood outside and he was in tears. Aww. It had been raided, it had been, all the windows had been smashed, all the stuff out of his window had been taken. Yeah. Um, and my mum was actually, I, she came back and she said, I was saying, saying to the, like, the young ones, why are you destroying where you live? Mm -hmm. You know, why don't you move it a bit further I up think, somewhere? I think, that, I think that was a big impact. For me at the time, I didn't really think about mm. it mm. so much later than that. But when you think that of what they happened, it... They, they took away from what you were actually rioting about. About, yeah, yeah. It took it away from it, and then it destroyed 
what years of people had built, built up. up. And, and that's the, a shame. Yeah, and the first thing that they did, they decided, you know, that and, and, and this was it was very subtle how they did this. You know, when all the you know, when all the crescents came down mm. and yeah. you know, um, Princess Road. There was a conscious thing about splitting everybody up yeah. because it, because it was so close to the centre of the, the Commonwealth yeah. Games. They didn't want because that's what people were going to be passing through. All these international, yeah. you know, sports people would have to come down Princess Parkway to get down to wherever the stadium was at the time. Mm. So it was a case of we don't want that visibility anymore. So let's move these people out. So they were pushed out to Withenshaw. They yeah. were pushed out to Cheatham Hill, yeah. further away from the city. And so communities were, were, were split up and they've never got back together. And then even further, when you look at that what happened with the Reno and the Niles. Yeah. I think yeah. the riots started yeah. though. Yeah. I, I think the, the riots started. We're never going to have that again. And when you look we're at never. what, and this is why I think what you're all involved in is amazing, is that when, if you think about what they did with the Reno and the Nile, they knocked it down, knocked it flat, and then they put audience around it, adverts. So... You'd eventually, you were always distracted from that corner. You never thought that's where the Reno and the Nile was. Yeah. It was all, hang on, blue buttermilk or, you know, um, surf or something beer. And that was almost like the temple had been forgotten about of where people used to go to. It's true, you know. No. So when you came back and excavated and you raised it, that was to say to the community that especially like, like my, my nephews and nieces and great nephews and nieces, because they don't understand it because they've had, I've used a privileged life, but they've had a much, I, I won't even say a better life because I think I had an incredible life. But I think they've had all the opportunities that have been invested in them to make them into what they are today. Whereas when I look at the old Moss side, you know, that sense of, it was there, you know, and you look at it now and, you know, Hume, Hume Park, it's nothing like Hume was. And well, you couldn't get people to live in Hume no. at one point. Now it's no, 150 grand. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you think that at that time where you said, you know, that you and, um, don't say had a privileged life, you got the opportunities and you took them. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. But that your nephews and great nephews and nieces have been able to get on that and get further on. Mm. I think at a time where you where we lived where we were, we were in a community where life was set. Yeah. What do you mean, Carmen? Um you, you knew where you were going. Unless you yeah. left, you knew what you knew yeah. exactly what That's your life what you were was. You do. saw it around you day to day. You didn't think to say, um, well, I'm going to go on that path and I'm going to take that. Because as a community and where we were, we all did what our forefathers had done and that's where you went and that's what you done. You chose yourself to say, well, I don't want to be part of that. I want to do something different. And for some, they did it. But for some, they didn't. They just went down that path and we did what our parents have done. It's not till you see that, hmm, there's a bigger world there yeah. and I can do that. Well, that's what we taught our kids, wasn't it? Thank you. It's a bigger world. Yeah. But even and, it, and, it, and it's all that sort of said to you, like I'm sitting and it's online and people are going to know people who know me. But at the age of 47, I thought, wow, you know what? I've got to do something different here. I've got to change and make something different mm. for me. And as one of my children said to me, you broke the mould. Mm. But it took... 47 years yeah. to break a mould. Yeah, but you, you still broke it. But I broke it. Yeah. And, and that proved to them. 
that you can do that it. you can do it that yeah. you can absolutely do and it and that was without education um, going to college going to university because I didn't I'm not saying I didn't have the opportunities mm-hmm. but life took me down a different path yeah. and it wasn't until you, you decide that you're going to do things and then now mm. 20 odd years after that I'm like, oh, I can do that because somebody said, oh, maybe let's do, let's do this, and I think you might be able to do something, mm. and you go along it, and that's, and this project has, has proved that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of kids, even today, I feel sorry for them because somebody's not broke that mold for them. It's mm. not future. You see, what it is is the choices you make. Yeah. The choices you make. You know, when you leave school and you're a teenager going. Moving into adulthood, that's a very difficult period in anyone's life mm. to come from being a child to being an adult. You're scared, or you don't know. It's an unknown thing to go from a child to an adult. That period depends on the choice you make when you're 17, 18, 19. That is a critical part of any human beings are in this world. You, the choice you make is very important. Like, I decided that I wanted to to be a DJ from when I was um, about 12. Oh. And it was so strange how it happened. My parents kept a dance on the Saturday night. In Jamaica? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Saturday night, it was in our house, this dance. And the sound system came in, and I was looking at all this equipment and things. But I didn't pay much mind until the night when the dance started. The DJ was this guy. He was so handsome. Smartly dressed, and he looked apart, and but I couldn't take my eyes off him. I stood by him all night, watching everything that he was doing. Oh. Mm. And then he did something unique that made me decide that this is what I wanted to do. <laughs> Five minutes to midnight, he played a song, and the title was. It's almost tomorrow. What can I do? Oh. And when it finished, it was just coming up to 12 o'clock. And the next record he put on was called Midnight. Mm. And it blew my mind. Because it was very artistic the way he put it together. And I said, yes. That is what I wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, well, that was like, we got a good thing. You used to play that at the end of the night. Yeah. Yeah. And that was what made me decide that that is what I wanted to do. But I was a very good cricketer and footballer. So when I came to England and started working for Calico Printers Association, I met this guy. And he was from Staley Cricket Club that played in the Saddleworth League. And the West Indies was playing against England at the time. And he used to bring his little radio into the work, and we used to listen to them. Yeah. 
So he said, do you play cricket? I said, yes, I used to play cricket, because I used to play for Jamaica on the 16th before I came here. So he said, I'm a, state, I'm a member of Staley Cricket Club. I'm on the committee. Why don't you come down after work? We took the train on a Tuesday. And I went down on the Tuesday and started training with them. And they liked what they see. And they, so they took me on and I started playing for Staley. So at the end of that season, one of the lads that was in the team, he was playing football for mostly football club. And he asked me, do you play football? <laughs> so he said, why don't you come back? Yeah, yeah, anything they need. <laughs> <laughs> you you want your shirts? Anything. So I ended up playing for mostly football team. And so, it, although I wanted to be a DJ, me like, I didn't get the opportunity then until I came to Mossside one Saturday for a year ago. <laughs> for a haircut? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I see so many black people like me because I had been in a white society at the time. <laughs> and I felt like I came home. Yes, oh, man. Oh, 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 people like me, loads yeah. of them. Oh, <laughs> exactly the opposite to Bill's. Oh God, yeah. 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 But, and I think it's, I think it's really, really important. It was that that taught me a lot. Mm. It really yeah. did teach yeah. me a lot. <sighs> Don't go to Trafford Park. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, let, let, let me put it this way. I. I remember when I first started hitting town, there were very few faces of colour in the clubs and the bars. Yeah. And then, as some have said, it was a case of the owners would look at you and they would say, right, I need to test you out first to see what other... Because the girls could get in. The girls test that... you out? What do you mean, test you out? To work? see if you no, were good enough. Seriously, seriously, that's what it was like. I mean, the amount that of places... That you're going to kill people. No, because they had a preconception Seven. about your behaviour. And could you draw them in? Yeah. And the doorman would look at you and say, hang on, if he's trouble, could I deal with him? Mm. That's why. A lot, that's what a lot of it was. It was a case mm. of and who you're connected to. And if I have trouble with him, what's he going to bring to my I door? You know, and that, and that was... That's what happened, in, you know, all the way through to the 80s. <laughs> You know, and then the young ones turned around and said, we've had enough of this. What do you mean you're not letting us in? Because you had to be a member. It was always, you had mm. to be a member. Mm. Where's your membership? That's very true. And so you had to challenge them. Yeah. But eventually, I will always say that the rave culture changed everything. Yeah. Oh, that man. changed everything. I never had any trouble like that. Yeah. No. Because I was going didn't... around with some people that they didn't really want to talk to or mess about with, you know. <laughs> if you could walk through, if you, if you were with that group of people, you could walk through a door. But even then, you'd walk through and you would behave in a certain way. Oh, yeah. Everything was very straight, very proper. You'd look around. I was, you, in, I, I was going to parties in Salford, you know, all the pub, all the pub owners and all the rest yeah. of it. And I was only like the only coloured face in there, yeah. yeah. And I, nobody bothered me. It was no. all right with me and everything. Yeah. I, 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 I thought yeah. that you know. when you as one 
going to one of these societies. Yeah. They look up. You're not a threat. You're not a threat. That's what it's about. You're not a threat. I wasn't a threat, but the people I was with were there more threat than me, you know what I mean? But I agree, I agree with that. It was who at the time that you walked with and who you knew and if you face fitted. If you face fitted. And I know what you're saying, Bill, mm. that, again, a lot of the female the girls could get into mm. places, <coughs> and you did. And, again, it became a, a thing of white, mixed race, or half-cast, or whatever, you, or to your black. Because mm. I walked with each of those being the race mm. that I am, yeah. and I noticed how you were treated differently. Mm. And you were treated really differently. Yeah. And it's, if you knew a face and you had somebody on your side, you walked in. You walked through that door. And then once they clocked your face and they knew you, they always let you in. They never questioned mm. you. But if you were with somebody different, then they would, then yeah. they would question you. And that was a big thing mm. about how you, how you interacted. So it was easier for the women. Mm. And harder for the guys yeah. to get yeah. in. Yeah, but like me... I was on the black guy in the football team and the cricket yeah. team. So, and in those um, society, it's very closed society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you get in there, as because of what I did, you're exactly. accepted yeah. and they yeah. look after you. They, and you, you were know. somebody, person that came into the scene a lot, a lot earlier than a lot of people yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But being the person that you are, I think, being such a nice gentleman, mm. that helped you. You didn't have a chip on your shoulder. No. You didn't no, have an attitude. No. If you think of the times when we were a bit, a few years down the line, mm. guys had attitude. And yeah, but I only but understand, that. But understandably. I was going to say. understandably. I only found that when I came into Moss Side. Okay. Before I came into Moss Side. I didn't have any problems because, as I said, I was I was moving us in a white society, and I don't know what it was. I was jet black, as you can see. Jet black. You know, Come I was mixed race with yeah, a light no, no. complexion. Yeah. I, you know, and they treated me very well. Were you DJing? No. No, you weren't DJing. I was just playing okay. cricket and football well, for them. And they accepted me, for, and they showed me a lot of kindness and love. Yeah. But when I came into Moss Side, I found the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that difference? That you're black. That's a wrap. You realise that being black means that you're different. Okay. Yeah. You know. well, same as me, the first time I really ever anybody ever called my colour was a copper. You know what I mean? Come here, you little black cunt. So I ain't wanted to cunt, you know what I mean? Wow. That's the first time everybody ever called my colour yeah. was a policeman, yeah. you know. So I broke his nose like, you know, oh. all the trouble. Okay. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Just one of them. Are we, no, are we no longer live? No, we're live, but I, I think we... This has been one of the best ones. I think you should definitely come back and we should carry on. Yeah. These this is my one of the best ones. We should carry on. If anyone wants to leave, I think you should leave. No, 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 I've got to go because oh, I've right, got to be up at 4.30 in the morning. Well, okay. Okay. Can I ask you why? Can I ask you why?
why I've got to be up at four thirty yeah. in the morning because <gasps> I travel to, I, I travel to Shropshire to work. Oh. To do the so my train walking. leaves at just after six o'clock. And what are you doing tomorrow? I'm the catwalking. Nurse. Catwalking. Nurse tomorrow. Nurse tomorrow. And is it mental health issues or is it's it? It's more physical care. It's locked in syndrome. So oh no! Very, very oh, come back skin. and talk to us about that. Yeah, I do we'll come do. back. I no, Bill. I think Bill's got an open invitation around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. No, thank you, everybody, because it's. Yeah. Um, been I've enjoyed it. Yeah. To be honest with you, you sort of think through and you think, I should have said this, I should have said that. No, no but you've got loads more time to come yeah. back and say those things. Yeah, but it's. Well, uh, can I just oh. thank Bill for the, the message he left on Valentine's Day? Was oh, yeah. 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 No, it was. Fabulous. About what did it say? About <laughs> being, accepting you and being a community. Mm. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah. And you know what? It, you, about that saying what you should have said and all that. I see Persian every week and every week I find out something. Do you? I find him and I go home and I say to my I go, that man surprises me every, week. every single week. I could sit here and listen to you listen all night. You are amazing. Yeah, so we're all just finding out about each of our We are women though. We are You know the different levels and the different truths. Final words. And our worth. Going back to where we started. Our worth. Back in the house. Wait, Sue's not Thanks for listening, people.